Good morning and peace be with you. And also with you. Welcome again to uh, another installment of Your Pastor Has Gone Televangelist at Reformation Lutheran Church here in Westminster, California. We are blessed to have some special musical guests today. We have Chris and Adair. Uh, we are just so thrilled to have the Gillettes with us. Thank you for worshiping with us, leading our music this morning. And it, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the selfless servants that have made it possible for you to be able to see uh, the stream uh, at home of our Sunday services and our Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. So thank you guys that have been here faithfully for this. We are blessed by many wonderful family members of this church that the Lord has given us. I want to have you meditate on so that you would believe those words so that you may believe last week we were focusing on jesus and his promises you hear me ask which promises does jesus keep and the answer is all of them and i need for you today as you worship with us and as you Listen to the proclamation. It really is so that you may believe, ampersand, and live. Our opening song this morning is Amazing Grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear! Yeah. 
gather this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's take a moment of silence and self-reflection. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. And for this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, grant that we who have celebrated the Lord's resurrection may by your grace confess our life and conversation that Jesus is Lord and God. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our scripture readings are this morning from Acts and Psalm 148. Our epistle is from 1 Peter. Good morning. 
The first reading this morning is from the book of Acts of the Apostles, written by Luke, chapter 5, verses 29 through 42. As, as I said, uh, Acts was written by Luke probably about 35 to 40 years after the crucifixion and resurrection. And by comparison, the Vietnam War was about 60 years ago, so it doesn't seem that far in the past that Luke's writing. He's an eyewitness. It's a history of facts of Paul and Peter's apostleship. Luke is a doctor and a scientist who chronicles facts based on personal eyewitness observation. There's no fake news in Luke's gospel. Acts chapter 5, beginning with the 29th verse. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theotis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. All his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, Leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts and from the house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Our next reading will be Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created and he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great creatures in all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, Kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens, and he has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. The epistle this morning is taken from the first book of Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until a coming of salvation that is ready to be realed, revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. John from the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, he was one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life 
in his name. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. At this time, I would be saying you may be seated, but you're probably already sitting at home. Uh, Carry on. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. John records in chapter 21, 24 through 25, we hear these words, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. The Gospel of John, in it we know and we hear and we are told what God wanted us to know. Everything we need for salvation so that we would believe and live. In the name of Jesus, Preparing for this sermon proclamation this week, I looked and thought this thought, I have to admit to you right now, oh great, it's Sunday that we get to hear about Doubting Thomas. And that's how we label him, right? We, we know that uh, here's Thomas, he's the one that doubts, he's a big doubter, Now, how's that for a nickname, though, for an apostle? And yet, what do we hear from Jesus himself? We hear that eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them, although the doors were locked. Now, wait a second. The doors were locked? What are the apostles doing inside? Jesus had just told them, I'm sending you out. And they're inside. Locked doors. They're scared. Kind of sounds like we are right now, doesn't it? Sheltered in place, scared, longing to hear peace be with you. And yet, there they were. They were huddled together, hidden and fearful. But we don't label those apostles we label Thomas, because Thomas is the one who doubts. Now, sometimes our sins are open and obvious, and everyone, (laughs) everyone knows about them. And sometimes our sins, they become the label that sticks to us. And that stinks. Sometimes our sins are private things that they just don't get talked about because they maybe aren't as entertaining or juicy to talk about them. But that doesn't make them stink any less. It doesn't make them any less of a sin. And we can be tempted to start ranking folks, categorizing them by the obviousness of their sin and treating them with appropriate disdain. But that's not what Christ does. He shows up, and he says, peace be with you. And he says it to all of them, to Thomas, and all the rest. Whether the Sin is open and scandalous or not, a soul knows it. And Jesus knows what you need. Jesus knows what you need. You need peace. You need forgiveness. All of you. 
But Jesus singles out Thomas, doesn't he? But only afterwards, after he says, peace be with you, he says to Thomas, well, actually, let's just, let me backtrack a little bit. Here's what he doesn't do. Jesus doesn't say, hold everything. We got to fix bad Thomas before I can begin to lower myself and hang out with you uh, goombas, kind of slumming it. I got to fix this guy before he can be with the great deity that I am, fully man, fully God. Jesus doesn't say that. No, he gives him an all-in-the-room peace. Peace be with you. And knowing the struggles that Thomas faces, Jesus doesn't cut him down. He does not simply rip him. He emphasizes to Thomas that he is, in fact, forgiven. Jesus wants us to do one thing with sin. In fact, Jesus only wants to do one thing with our sin, and that is he wants to forgive it. Even the secret sins. Even the sins that everyone knows about. He says to you and we say to each other, peace be with you. Now I want to repeat the verse. Unless I see, I will not believe. That was notorious and that's why we call him doubting. Doubting Thomas, John 20, verse 25. Yet, This is a stance that's more popular now than ever, isn't it? Seeing is believing. Have you heard that? Have you said that? Seeing is believing has taken the place of traditional faith that is drawn to the love of those things which are not seen. Yet, again, Jesus' reply to Thomas was, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's John 20, 29. Among the reasons why Christ would say such a thing is the fact that God, God values faith. That's belief. He, believe, he, he values it so highly that he is unwilling to reveal himself in a way that would render faith unnecessary. He wouldn't be much of a God if we knew everything about him, would he? If there was no mystery? Now, with regard to human beings, our trust in his word is as important to God as our free will when he first created us. He gave us free will. He gave Adam and Eve free will. This is what theologians call deus absconditus. Deus absconditus, which means the hidden God. It refers to the Christian idea of a fundamental unknowability of the essence of God. The name comes from the Bible, specifically from the book of Isaiah, where he writes in Isaiah 45, 15, Indeed, indeed, you are a hidden God, you, the God of Israel, the Savior. And Luther said it this way. He said, God chooses to hide himself from our physical senses so that faith in him can be necessary. Now, God does this in many ways. The hidden God God has so ordered the universe that the miracle of his existence is hidden beneath a veil of material causation. So much so, listen to this, so much so that many a scientist fails to see his divine hand at work in it. He has so ordered the human body so that divinely revealed soul and spirit in us is hidden. For example, a soul does not need an optic nerve to see. We look to Luke 16, verse 23. That is where we hear about Lazarus and 
the wealthy man is in hell looking up at Lazarus and asks for Lazarus to dip his finger in water and just dribble a little to his lips. The wealthy man is dead. He's in hell. But he can see Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. Blind people during what they call NDEs, near-death experiences. Blind people report enjoying 20-20 vision while their soul was separated from their defective body. Now, it makes sense that the soul is normally required to make use of faulty biological mechanisms, mainly the brain, effectively hiding the miracle of God in what appears to be material functionality. We know this, that the single most complex entity in the known universe is the human being and the human brain in particular. Yet however baffling and amazing the human being is, unbelievers from Charles Darwin to Richard Dawkins still attempt to explain us in purely materialistic terms. The most momentous example of God hiding his glory from our senses is the wonder of his almighty, eternal son in the flesh. The mystery of God coming down, condescending, taking on flesh and tabernacling with us. John Wesley famously described the incarnation with the words, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. And yet, having people see the Son of the living God looking like an ordinary Jewish guy is not exceptional for God. That's the way he does things. He saved the world with a baby. Rather, it is his norm. Above all, the strategy was necessary or else Christ would not have been sacrificed for our redemption. He needed to look like a regular guy. He needed to be born in a manger. He needed to have a look that was not remarkable. None of the rulers of this age understand this either, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That's 1 Corinthians 2, verses 8. And so it goes. God's word, God's word and sacraments, like our crucified and risen Savior, are so easily despised and scorned, yet so full of miraculous power to save those who believe, Romans 1 verse 16 for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek Luther once said of holy baptism all that the mortal eye beholds is water as we pour it before the eye of faith unfolds the power of Jesus' merit. The world sees bread and wine and water. But through faith that God has given us through his Holy Spirit, we see salvation, forgiveness of sins. God takes the regular, normal, run-of-the-mill and does miraculous things with it. Hear this prayer. Father in heaven, in many ways you veil much from human eyes that would render faith unnecessary. And we thank you that faith can include the precious and comforting gifts of assurance and conviction about the reality of things not seen through the power of your Holy Spirit and working through your word and sacraments, amen. So the last bit on Thomas, building up a case of not seeing, not believing until he sees. 
we're like him, and I thank God for giving us him. We read that, Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it to my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. John 20, verse 27. Did you know that uh, the church celebrates Thomas every December 21st of every year? St. Thomas Day. Why would St. Thomas be right before Christmas? He's known for his post-Easter doubts that we read today. And the answer is, in Thomas' confession, I won't believe unless I see. The world doesn't believe in a God it cannot see. And you don't believe in a God that you cannot see. And that's why God comes to us looking like us. God comes to us like a mother with a child, a, a baby, a teen, a man. The great thing about God is not that he's all-powerful and invisible, but that he comes as a man to be seen and to be killed. The truth is that Thomas stands in for us the one who actually says he doubts. Thomas says what we may be thinking but afraid to say. And that is why we celebrate St. Thomas, because he, along with the rest of the apostles and the disciples of Jesus, were eyewitnesses to the God who can be seen and can be touched. The story of Thomas is comforting because it reminds us that we also doubt, and that the Lord becomes our doubts by being the kind of God he is, the one who comes to us to be seen, to be heard, and to be touched. So Christmas is the answer to a world that doesn't think God is real or that he exists, but he does. He's right here in the flesh, in our gospel today, and he says, Peace be with you. Emmanuel, God with us. And Thomas believes because he can stick his fingers in the nail holes in Jesus' hand. And you believe. You believe by the preaching of the gospel. But the gospel itself is just that eyewitness testimony that Jesus actually lived and died and rose again. And that matters for you. Because it is your salvation. It is your forgiveness. And at the font, at the baptismal font, you have a God who reaches down to take hold of you. And in the preaching and the absolution and the word, you have a Lord who speaks to you and isn't silent and hidden somewhere. In the supper, you have a Lord who lets you eat and drink his true body and his true blood. No mistaking who that is. It's the Lord, God and man. The Lord who comes to doubting sinners like you and Thomas and saves them. Of all the little g-gods, and the religions that are out there. It is only Jesus who is a God for doubters and sinners. It is only Jesus who comes to be what we are so that we may know him and believe in him and to be saved by him so that you would believe and have life. In the name of Jesus, amen. At this time, our hymn of the day is, It is well with my soul. When peace like a 
attended my way When sorrows like sea billows roll Whatever my lot Thou hast taught me to say It is well, it is well confess our faith together to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As a family in Jesus Christ, 
Let us pray. Dear Lord, God Almighty and Heavenly Father, we gather this morning as one, whether here or elsewhere, to praise your holy name and appeal to your mercies by our prayers perfected through your Holy Spirit and by the grace of your Son, Jesus, who stands as our Redeemer beside you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of our blessings that we can only now just begin to appreciate as our government leaders restrict our activities in response to a virus pandemic. We've been so busy in our daily lives that we often fail to see the wonders around us, hear the voices of others, including our family members, and actually listen to what was said. We took our food and household staples for granted, never considering how quickly they could be taken away. Most importantly, we have taken your grace, mercy, and involvement in our lives for granted. We never even considered that in our country, the United States, that our right to gather to worship you in our churches would be threatened, but it has been taken away. We pray for only a brief period of time. We realize that we have worshiped the wrong things, making idols of many of our blessings in place of you, the one who provided them. We haven't done this on purpose, Lord. We've been distracted by our sin. Your discipline is hard, but as painful as the lesson is for us, we thank you for remaining in our lives and for your Holy Spirit, who gives us the strength to carry on and correct our path. We pray for the atheists and agnostics who must feel total despair as if in hell on earth without your presence. We pray that they would open their ears to the calling of the Holy Spirit and come to believe in you and have faith in Jesus our Savior. Help us to be witnesses to you in a way that pulls them in rather than pushing them away. We pray for the health and safety of our friends families, and loved ones. Please, Holy Father, shield us all from this virus. And if we do become infected, we pray for quick healing and a strong recovery. We pray for our fellow citizens and family who may face the prospect of lost jobs, their income, their health, and maybe their lives. Please guide our leaders to find the proper way to mend our nation's well-being in terms of health, and financial stability. Heavenly Father, we can't help those in the world who need our nation's shared wealth and security against tyranny if we succumb to the effects of this disease. Please save us, Father, so we may continue to help those truly in need. We thank you for our president, vice president, and various task force members working to combat the effects of COVID-19 in our country and around the world. Thank you for their faith in both you and your son, Jesus, as they often witness to your almighty providence when addressing the world on national television. We see them persecuted for their faith by mainstream media and entertainment personalities and pray that you would sustain them, continue to provide wisdom and guide their actions to heal our country. We continue to pray for an end to the fear mongering and lies in our news media the pervasiveness and hate embedded in the lies must surely be influenced by Satan, the greatest and most powerful liar on earth. Please, Holy Spirit, shine light on these lies and those spreading them for all to see, that we would then turn away, seek the truth, and be at peace as we weather this storm. We pray for the enemies of our nation and its freedoms, we pray that you would intervene to stop those leaders in China, North Korea, Iran, and Russia from provoking conflict. Please stop their aggression and give us the necessary restraint to not react unnecessarily to their foolish actions. We pray that you would protect us from our enemies who seem to surround us and at times are even within our borders. We give you thanks for the much needed rain that covered California this past week and the snow that provided a beautiful blanket on our mountains. At the same time, we pray for all those tragically harmed by violent storms across the Midwest 
south and eastern regions of our country. We thank you that we are blessed with an ocean nearby that we can visit, observe, and hear, and seek solace. We pray for the safety of our military members, police, firefighters, and medical professionals who continue to face danger every day. Please shield all of them from harm. We pray for the faithful of Reformation Lutheran Church, our church family whom we love. We are distressed that we are not worshiping together and loneliness and despair may be affecting some of our members. Help us continue to connect with our church family members so that they know that you are with them wherever they may be. We pray that our government leaders whom serve at your will can find a way for us to safely worship together soon. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you all. And also with you. Let us share the peace, and may you share the peace with each other at home. Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us with these gifts. With them, we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and ever-living God. But chiefly, we are bound to praise you for the glorious resurrection of our Lord. For he is the true Passover lamb who gave himself to take away our sin and who by his death has destroyed death and by his rising has brought us to eternal life. And so with Mary Magdalene and Peter and all the witnesses of the resurrection, the earth, the sea, and their creatures, and with angels and archangels, cherubim and seraphim, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. Breaking it, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. We know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, 
that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious, triumphant coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So that you may believe and have life. That's what the gospel is about. That's what the gospel of John equips us for. God, the unseen God, the mysterious God, has revealed himself in the form of a man. Fully man and fully God, that man is Jesus. And he tells us, come. He tells us, peace be with you. He tells you, your sins are forgiven. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our closing hymn is I Surrender All. All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely give I will ever love and trust presence daily
Let us go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.